and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Watches House of the Dragon, Season 1, Episode 3, Second of His Name. I'm one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. You know, last week, if you were listening to us last week, you may have heard where I gaslit Eliana into making her do the intro. I was wrong. I don't declare this publicly often, so keep that in mind. I was wrong. I did indeed introduce that first episode that I also edited and uploaded, by the way, so I don't know why I didn't remember this. So now, in all fairness, I have introduced today's episode for you, Eliana. I'm very willing to doubt my reality, so I do not have confidence in my perception of events, so I was like, of course, Chloe must be right. (laughs) I auto-hightower gaslit you really hard. I'm like, Allison, darling... You introduced this episode. Ah, welcome back to our third episode of House of the Dragon. If you listen to Girls Gone Canon, we are a spoilers podcast, so we will talk about the books. Any of them. All of them. Any of them, all of them. Yes, they are all fair game. If George put them out, we read them. Yeah, except for uh, some of the wins chapters, right, which we will get to eventually. At some point, we will... I think Chloe's read all of them. I've read all of them, yeah. And I haven't because at first oh, I was holding off, but also now it's fun. Now we get my first impressions for some of them, That's not true. all of them. That's true. As we go, but we're not going to really be talking about wins much, right? Because we're talking about the past. Yeah, we're really deep into Fire and Blood. I'm on a reread. I'm on like my eighth reread, 800. I actually think I'm starting to the front again just to see if I can catch up to the show and then do it as we go. <laughs> for fun? Is this just yeah. like, this is like Mario Kart where you're just yes. trying to laugh? I'm everything. level grinding right now. Oh I'm level grinding oh in ASWAF. We are putting out these episodes weekly for House of the Dragon. So every Tuesday morning, you should have an episode in your feed by then, unless something's gone a little wrong or slower because, you know, we, we record these up Mondays, Monday nights. You'll also have another episode if you're subscribed to us weekly on Fridays for Public, which is Brand Stark. We just started up Brandon Stark in A Song of Ice and Fire. In our main podcast, we go POV character by POV character through their chapters as a whole, and we just started Brand. I'm very excited for Brand 2 this week. Yes, I mean, Brand 2, big things happen, right? That chapter. But also, I mean, big things are happening now. House of the Dragon. This isn't the only discussion we've had this week about House of the Dragon, I will say. Last week, right, for episode two, we had Kim Renfro on, so if you haven't listened to that, please check it out. But also last night, as of recording this, we joined our good friend Joe Magician to discuss this episode of House of the Dragon. We gave immediate reactions to the episode, um, and they were very immediate. Yeah, I mean, you'll you'll likely hear maybe a refined version today on some of these, hopefully. hopefully. Yeah. You just gotta take that little bit of Kristen Cole and refine it, you know, just refine it. Oh my god. Every week, we're also having House of the Dragon discussions on Fridays from 2 to 4 ET, hosted by our friend Maddie. So if you're in the Patreon tier, Thunder and Above at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, you have access to a House of the Dragon discussion hosted by Maddie at Friday. Friday at 2. And I can't wait to hear. We kind of speculate about the next week together. You know, everyone kind of jumps on and talks about the episode, talks about next week. And I can't wait to hear what they come up with this week. And I mean, you don't have to stay for the whole time, right? Like, when I can, I'll, I'll try to jump in, and then next thing you know, I have a meeting, and I'm like, sorry, everyone. But yeah. We also did a Patreon episode 
for August that came out. We're still finalizing this month's Patreon episode, but last month we did part one of Mothers of the Dragon, or Milfs of the Dragon, yes. depending on which version yes. you hear from which maesters if allow you access. Mushroom or... Yeah. <laughs> mushroom or Munkin or Eustace. Absolutely. It could be any version. I, I look forward to part two. It might be this month. We just don't know yet. But patrons in the stranger <laughs> tier and above have access to bonus episodes every month. $5 and up gets you bonus episodes. And we've covered the dance in Extensively. (laughs) Too extensively. Uh, But yeah, here we are covering it all over again. Well, it's very different, right, than the time that we did it last, because last time we were only going off of what was in Fire and Blood. And this is, of course, its own canon. But I think what's really fun about it is, again, like as you and I were discussing while watching this episode... You get to see the personalities behind the characters that are stripped away by the maesters and Mm -hmm. the really human conflict. I mean, I think George starts inching into that, right, with fire and blood. He tries to create elements of that, but he's also just, he's also very interested in the, the way that history gets things wrong. So it pulls back from that a little, too. Mm Mm-hmm. And I like some of some of these changes. We've watched them start to leverage, like the ages for Allison and Rhaenyra yeah. and streamlining that. Those are good changes. I mean, I, I think that makes more sense cohesively for their characters and to make the heartache kind of more effective. So I yeah. love that we're seeing this downfall and like tragic heartache. And it's really this episode started to lay it on. Yeah, like, immediately it started to lay it on that things have changed in the last three years. Absolutely, and it's fun because we're getting it not just during you know, a time of political change within Westeros. But as you said, they've changed the ages of the characters and it's happening during the time of both Rhaenyra and Alicent's adolescence. I mean, there's a reason why there are so many coming-of-age stories, right, that happen along those times or, or stories in general because we as people think of adolescence as a time of change. Yeah. In many ways, it's doing what we didn't really get from Game of Thrones for some of these characters, right? Mm. Like, you know, we have Sansa losing her wolf, and it was still sad in the show, but it wasn't as effective as the story and what that means in the story, like what that does to Sansa's character, and you don't get the POVs brought to life. And so they have kind of a challenge that I think they're succeeding at with this show, where they are bringing POVs to life because they never had POVs on these people. You don't have... Allison's emotions. Yes. You can see her carefully playing this episode around, you know, courtesy as her own armor and also having to play against her husband, having to play against her father. Her father. Yeah. She's she's got a lot of conflict going on within her heart as well. All the characters do except for Otto. Mm-hmm. I think the only conflict he should have in his his heart is I don't know, a blocked artery. Oh my god. Let's kill Otto Hightower. Oh. <laughs> but Sorry, sorry. We'll get there in a second. They're they're just doing, I think, a really great job of fleshing these characters out, giving us moments that are only hinted at in the books, right? Like the Stepstones, which is how we open up the episode. We have a step, Stepstone sandwich, a crab sandwich. Ooh, soft shell crab Ooh, sandwich. Yum. Yeah. I love a soft shell crab. I, I do, I do. Ooh, or a crab cake sandwich. Oh, I also mm. love a crab cake. Oh, stop making me hungry. I know, I know, I know. Every time I see the crabs on screen, I'm like, delicious! Delicious. Bingo card or drinking game. How long does it take us to get to food? And somehow there there is food. There's a lot of food in this oh, episode, there is, too. There is. We'll talk about it in a bit. We open up with the Valerian banners burning and Caraxes is burning everything. 
very well done. Something I'm noticing how they leverage in the show, they're leveraging how to use the dragons and make them not look silly. Total CGI yeah. you know, monster. No She-Hulk going on here. Uh, but they look, I'm just saying, you know, darkness is your friend when you have to do some crazy yeah. CGI. And they look good. They make Caraxes look very menacing. Yeah. Very menacing. Honestly, the only CGI that brought me out in the episode, it didn't bring me out that much, but I did notice it was surprisingly the deer. The, yeah. The, the brown one. The brown one, not, not the, the white one. The white one looked Yeah. That, I mean, like, because that one you are supposed to, I guess, feel a Majestic. little more otherworldly slash... But I think it, maybe it was because the elk was surrounded by real dogs. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that's a real animal. That one's not. Mm, like demons. Like yeah. knowing the difference oh. between a demon and between an animal. And horses. And there were also materials. horses yeah. next to it too. So all those other real animals made that stand out. But honestly, we'll get there. But we, we're not. that's all I'll say about the, yeah. the CGI for that animal. My God, the guy crying out for Damon. Oh my God. That gets stomped on. Oh man, the royalty of this world is great. I love that everyone was like, and they say the show has no comedy. Oh my God, everyone they were laughing. In the yeah. They were laughing within moments. It was perfect. I mean, I think it was a great way of showing that levity. And then also, uh, our friends have pointed out as well, such as Lo, it's a great way of conveying the quote from, uh, I hate I hate quoting Joram <laughs> I was actually like Google this just now and like had a typo and it said Jorah Mormont is a simp was one of the suggested searches but he's he's also like naughty I hate him anyways sorry sorry so as you know the famous quote the common people pray for rain healthy children in a summer that never ends it is no matter to them if the high lords play their game of thrones so long as they are left in peace they never are Mm-mm, never <sighs> yeah that's a you were talking about how some of these guys to see some of these very small head motions during the war from Krahas, like they had to really have great eyes. And I'm like, do they just go outside and yell for their best mirish men to show up and with their good eyesight for this? How yeah. do you choose this draft of men? I actually was. I was like, how do they see the little head motion? But I've just been having a lot of issues. I need a new prescription. This is the truth of the matter. I mean, if you look at me in my glasses, you're like, do your glasses need to be cleaned? And I'm like, no, those are scratches. But also my <laughs> eyes have gotten worse because I spent the past few years only staring at screens. Yeah, we'll be, <laughs> I'm sure I'll be legally blind at some point in my life for real. I thought your eyes were good. They are, but they'll go downhill fast. That's part of my autoimmune shit though, too. Oh, okay. Like literally, they will, I could just yeah, go yeah. blind if I don't. Yeah. No, no, I could just go blind. I'm just saying Chloe has no, does not ha- need any visual aids at the moment. At the moment, not yet. I've never seen her in glasses. Or not yet. Head. Yeah. I will say, watching it with two people that don't have 100% vision, I do get, you know, I, I get asked those kind of questions, those detailed questions. Like, what, what were they doing? This? What is this? But I have ADHD, so it's mm. unfair that you guys expect me to do that for you. So maybe you should work on those eyes. Mm. Eat some eat some carrots, Eliana. I'm sick of you. <laughs> I guess okay. it's too late for that, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, they use the caves as a retreat. If they build on this, we might end up seeing Dorne come into the fold a little more, uh, maybe in a minor way yeah. while playing with the Triarchy War stuff going on. I don't know. I think they might actually expand this plot as we go. We didn't see Rikalio Rindun yet. He shows up in 109 in Fire and Blood. So if they choose to adapt Aegon III's reign out farther with Lys in it, yeah. we might end up seeing Rikalio Rindun. Uh, a year after the War of the Stepstones, during, I guess during, he rises up, right, as kind of 
a commander doing the fresh invasion against Damon for the next year. So I, I don't know, with time jumps, we might miss Recalio Rindune, but... We may or may not get him because, as you said, right, he ends up partnering with the Dornish, which would, I think, occur during the dance and does uh, have effects or does affect it, that was reminded to us by our friend Eric Palacios, you know, whether or not Recalio will show up, because, I don't know, I just thought, and obviously this pairs with the end of the episode, I, th- I thought that the way that they do Krahas, like, it was really interesting, and I think, so someone, um, whom's Trina, whomst, whomst Trina, if you look oh. at the way that this uh, username is wow. spelled on Twitter, said that they wanted an entire prequel about Krahas, which I totally get because I don't know, there's a lot of stuff that could be flushed out there that would be fun, like with the triarchy. Flushed out. Oh, oh. And Volantis, right? That mm-hmm. war conquering the substones, pirate I mean people love pirates, right? Uh grayscale. I mean they effectively created a plot yeah. out of a non plot. Just yeah. for I mean you needed a war because there's no war in this time. So you needed a war. I mean, it, it, metaphorically, George did the same thing. Yeah. But they had to do it to screen, to create some screen time. And effectively, what, it did like 15 minutes of this episode was devoted to it, probably? Yeah. I mean, and it was fun, right? And they did a good job of using it somehow to also do character building. So I think it'd be cool if they brought Recalio in and the Dornish part, because we are still wondering, how will Dorn factor in? into the story. If they want to keep going with this, they've talked about it as possibly an anthology if it's successful. And if they mm-hmm. want to keep going with that success, I could see it working. Yeah. Right? Like, I could see them really expanding on that. And they could even not introduce Recalio and just have him talked about in the background for now and yeah. come back up in season two. I don't know. I understand not wanting to cast him yet. If Damon's coming back to the kingdom next episode... Maybe they have it wrapped up then. Well, they have that wrapped up, right? And then things fall apart with the triarchy mm-hmm. apart, which is which would be fun world building because that is something that just do we have time for him to go to the stepstones again? Not on camera, I don't think. No, but we have time for the stepstones to affect the story as mm-hmm. the, as they do, right? With um, in the background, the two sons. That's true. I think it could be done very well in the background, and we wouldn't need to have. I, I just don't think we're. Where's the time for Damon to go battle again at the series. stepstones? Yeah. The Aegon and Viserys, yeah, I think we'll probably see that's that why, happen when the babies are born. Yeah, that's why I think it would be interesting and important to bring all those, but... Recalio Rindoon would look amazing. It would be so fun to see Recalio. They're six and a half feet tall, stoop posture and gait, one shoulder higher than the other, often mm-hmm. dyed their hair purple with orange streaks, bathes themselves in lavender and rose water, and sometimes dresses feminine presenting. Interesting. Yeah, that's it's going to be a fun character. I mean, there'd be a lot to discuss for sure. I hope they go all out. I hope we get Recalio Rindoon and they just go yeah. all out. There could be like a really interesting thing to discuss there in regards to him. And apparently he hates slavery, mm-hmm. you know, and so his character Krahas, right, with his grayscale, which was a show, which was show only as far as we know. And, you know, Laurie's clubfoot mm-hmm. in Rushroom if they bring him in. Back to court. To the baby, to the conqueror, babe. Oh my god, I can't believe he like said that with his whole chest, as I said. Again, to the conqueror, babe. I'm like, you sound like an idiot. <laughs> you sound like a dumbass saying that. He's a baby. What's he gonna conquer? Uh, I don't Food? know. Nap time? Pooping? <laughs> yeah. Sitting up, as we've discussed. Holding himself up. Yeah. Everyone's fawning over him. He's done nothing yet. I mean, he was born with a dick. Isn't that so amazing? 
Congratulations, child. Only some can do that, I hear. Uh, yeah, only some. Only, only some, some people do that. <laughs> we are not among them. Um, Otto and Hobart Hightower discuss Aegon's ascension and Otto's role in it. So we get a really great relationship building where, quite obviously, Hobart Hightower is like, you're going to settle this right, right? Because dudes rock. And like the realm <laughs> needs to be reminded. Dude's rock. And Otto's like, you're right. I should be doing that for us. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of great to see Otto bullied a little right because obviously he takes it out on Alicent mm-hmm. but at the same time I'm like this was also this is all on you Otto. Tylan Lannister shows up this is yes. so exciting we have Lannister's back and not only is it Tyland, we get Jason who we'll talk about in a bit here <laughs> when he shows up who is also just Tyland, and we also get their it's, it seems like their mother Kira Lannister yeah or something like that yeah I think Kira Lannister was the name they gave her which was fun to see at court as we'll talk on but he shows up and he's like Viserys get your shit together about the stepstones Viserys gives one of my favorite new lines not today Thailand <laughs> oh my god I'm gonna say that all the time not now Thailand and while they're loading up their plates so Viserys and Lionel are ignoring Thailand loading up their plates he comes back to push further and he's like things are really bad in the stepstones <laughs> like I know that you don't care but they're really bad and he's oh like god. fuck my brother and he's like bad very bad oh my gosh yeah and it's just Typical Viserys, right? He is like, oh, I can wait three more days. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, can it, right? Because we see at the end of the episode, they're like, with the rate that this war is going, we will last maybe another fortnight. Every single one of those days matters. A fortnight, I'm assuming you all know, is like, it's two weeks, Mm -hmm. 14 days. Three days out of that is a significant percent. Three days is, that's soon. Yeah, three days out of 14, right? Like, and he's like, oh, let's just delay. We got to go on the hunt. And this doesn't have to be dealt with now. I'm like, no, literally the hunt does not have to be dealt with. Yes. Yeah. The hunt is literally you just further pushing your problems back so you don't have to deal with them. That is the thing that you could probably deprioritize. And it's not unlike the tourney when he didn't even have an area. And he's like, what if we threw this preemptive tourney? He doesn't seem to understand that, like, yes, you did not start this war. And this is something that, you know, we, we... We'll get to in a bit with um, Lady Redwine, but though you might not have started this war, Viserys, your realm is still affected, and it was affected even before you started the war, which is what Corlys was trying to bring up. And this is your job. Your job isn't just to make babies. Your job is to manage the affairs of the realm, even the ones that you didn't start. That's how it works. That's what being a king is. Yeah, you can't just ignore that. I mean, that's part of it. He inherited this job. His inheritance was this job. And you're seeing so many different parts, especially in this episode, that reflect once more on like, you did nothing for this. He didn't do anything, right? And he that's, was just born. They, they complained in the first episode that the realm has been going downhill since the death of Queen Alisan. But that's the thing. Alisan and Jaehaerys were they were very proactive rulers. They mm-hmm. were like, this might not be my problem, but I will make it my problem and I will work to make it better. They mitigated risks constantly. Like, yes. Alisanne looked out on the defense for different things that she could sew together, right? Especially mm-hmm. marriage alliances yep. and different bits of land that she realizes, we have no use for this. We should be gifting it to people. Yeah. And Jaehaerys was obviously busy. His better ideas came from Alisanne and Barth, right? That was his left yeah. and right. That was what kept him moving while he faced the rest of it. And and he listened to them. Yes. When they were brought something to him, he was like, you're right. We should deal with that. Whereas you have Viserys as the complete opposite in this episode. Yes. Later, he yells at Rhaenyra. And when he yells at her, he's like, don't you understand? I have like 
a whole pile of paperwork on my desk and you ignore me and won't let me talk to you. And I'm like, maybe if you treated her as an equal in this, then she would be not only more respectful and more proactive to learning. It's just frustrating. I'm also like, if you have a pile of paperwork on your desk, Viserys, why are you on vacation? Why are you going on a hunt? (laughs) Why did you take your PTO right now? Not that people shouldn't take their PTO, but also he's a landlord, you know. No, sorry, I'm joking. But uh, am I? I don't know. (laughs) Well, there is a certain aspect of that. Like, so the hunts, I mean, the people uh, expect, you know, to be distracted from the horrors of the realm per usual. But it is said in the books that right now at this time, he was just feasting and doing royal hunts and doing all these things to keep lords happy and distracted instead of actually doing what needed to be done as far as the succession, right? Like reinforcing the succession. He kind of just moves on with this happy new life. And we see some of those effects, right? Like Rhaenyra, first of all, she is not here hanging out at this birthday bash for Aegon. She's Mm -hmm. like, I don't give a fuck about this chubby baby or what happens to him. (laughs) And she's hiding under a weirwood, right? Her favorite spot, reading. And she has taken captive a singer, a la Sansa in Winterfell. Yeah. taken hostage a singer and she is making him sing over and over she's missing out on the two-headed pig which i still don't know why it has two heads but it did look delicious the song that she's listening to ties back to something in the first episode yeah well i could glimpse i'm kind of bummed because the the captions are there when it's just him singing but when she and allicent begin to interact under Mm. the weirwood the captions go away and you can't really easily pick out all the lyrics but what i could pick out right was under the dragon's eye under the dragon's eye is kind of the end of the song we hear and then she fled with her ships and her people her heart broken for those and i couldn't really catch more than that but those Mm. are the lyrics i could catch I believe it's probably about Nymeria, which it seems that she might have been rereading her Nymeria book. Yeah. Uh, Same as the first episode, which is related, I would say. You know, Nymeria, Mm -hmm. our witch queen. And it comes back to, again, we were talking about Doran just now and how they were able to resist. They were able to resist the dragons. So very interesting. There's a couple of reasons for why Rhaenyra might want to study Dorne. Mm-hmm. But here, I mean, we get we get the first interaction between that's just Rhaenyra and Alicent this episode. And for obvious reasons, it is very tense. Yeah, it's even announced <laughs> as the princess, the queen. Yeah. The singer like stands up and he's like, oh, oh, shit, I got to stop playing. And she gets a little annoyed. And then she realizes, oh, my stepmommy's arrived. I think she knew that she was there the whole time and, and she makes it clear and it's the, it was their spot. That was mm-hmm. their hangout spot. And now it's just her and I don't know, this guy that she's forcing to sing. And again, it becomes a place of tension in which you see like who holds more power. And that's becoming, that's the question in this episode. Yeah. And I will say, Allison knows how to wield her power now a little bit. She's starting to come into it, right? Because she insisted and called, made sure to remind the singer that she's the queen and that Rhaenyra is the princess. Yeah, and Rhaenyra does not press, though, that she is heir to the throne, which I think should hold some more yeah. sway, in my opinion. But I'm also not a legal expert. I am no Lionel Strong. <sighs> and... I am not the Learned Hands podcast. I am all, yes, I am not the Learned Hands podcast. I'm just the person going dun-dun for them. <laughs> and so, 
Yeah, it's it's very interesting. And I saw someone point out in the comments, and not in the comments, someone point out on Twitter, I am so sorry, again, that I have forgotten who this was. I thought I had liked it, but I couldn't find it. Alicent says, it doesn't need to be this way, Rhaenyra, but like the thing is, you're, you're undermining her at every second, right? If you're wielding and throwing your power around as queen so that she can't even play the goddamn song she wants to play. How are you going to mend that rift between the two of you? I will rebut. I will. I will butt. <laughs> that is pretty much the only power she has is to tell yeah. off singers right now, which is probably what really frustrates Allison and what makes her further kind of take that repression yeah. that she's already had to deal with and why she kind of puts that outward in the future, I would say. And she does come to ask Rhaenyra to go on the hunt with them. Rhaenyra is like, fuck that hunt. I don't want to go on any hunt. It's stupid. And Alicent is like, same, girl. Like, you can tell yeah. that she's like, uh, she's pregnant. Be, yeah, she's pregnant as hell. She doesn't want to go. Uh, when we get in the carriage in a minute, it's awkward as hell. Yeah. Like, obviously, she's lying because she has to, because that's her job now, too. Yeah. However, absolutely. she comes with love. And I see this throughout the episode a few times that she does come almost open handed trying to, because the things that are going to fall on Rhaenyra from Viserys are already going to happen. Alicent is trying to do it smoothly with so not to hurt anyone's feelings, where Rhaenyra gets that and she's like, yeah, but fuck that, because you still don't, you're not on my side. You're on yeah. his side. And it's hard because Alicent is being pulled between many sides, right? Mm -hmm. We will eventually see her, obviously, probably pick a side. You know, we see the seeds of that this episode with well, ah. but Mother Wouldn't, right? Uh -huh. When it comes to being Kane. Her her own son, like, and obviously someone wants the best for their children. As you said, she's, she, I think, does come with love. She's coming with love for Rhaenyra. That was her best friend. And I think she does acknowledge and see within herself. She doesn't say it aloud, but it would be for the best for both Viserys and Rhaenyra to be aligned, to make up, and, mm -hmm. and be well with one another. Just like we said about Alysanne and about these other queens, they didn't have a lot of power, so what they could have control over, they tried to take as much control over they could, right? Yeah. So this is the little little place that she sees that maybe she could do something to make it better for everyone involved. But there's only so much that these two can commiserate on, on like the prison that is their gender in this society. Yeah. Like you can only go so low until you have to fight your way back up. Yeah, and and that is absolutely what comes up in her discussion with Otto. That is, mm -hmm. it's another question off of the series that Rainey's brings up when she has her talk with Rhaenyra, right? Mm -hmm. Of this is what the world is when it comes to womanhood and power. The carriage is also another side of that too, right? The awkward, the awkward riding. Yeah, immediately Rhaenyra's like, should you even be riding <laughs> in this carriage to this hunt, traveling this pregnant? And Alicent kind of lies and smiles about it and just like says her pretty words about it because like it's true should you be you are huge like she looks like you know eight nine months prego like she's gonna pop helena out any moment should she really be going to this hunt and she's doing it because she's expected uh and she talks about how birth usually goes and they start to smile and say oh you'll be with child soon enough and veneer's like don't i have to get married to be with child first, isn't that the order yeah. of operations on this one? Mm -hmm. So are you saying you're marrying me? Interesting. And then it all clicks later and she's like, disgusting. But disgusting. Disgusting. It's it's nice though to see Rhaenyra raise the question, even though she does say it kind of like sternly. She's Scathingly. like, she even be here. 
once again, you get a consistency with her character. She's the only one who cares about the pregnant woman mm-hmm. and her health, right? As in terms of the woman's comfort her <laughs> itself, the way that she did for Emma, she's like, someone has to worry about you. And she's same as how Allison was to some extent looking out for Rhaenyra's like interests. This is Rhaenyra showing in looking out for Allison's interests. Yeah, that's very true. As it goes throughout the episode, right? And thankfully it comes to a head later, you know, as you said, Viserys being like, you're going to marry. And it's it's a strange position for Rhaenyra to be in because, as we said, adolescence is a time of change. But Rhaenyra is caught in that, like in Britney Spears' words, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. Whereas Alicent has already er- been pushed into the role of womanhood and motherhood earlier on. And Rhaenyra, by comparison, therefore looks... Does she look behind? Does she look stunted in her uh, coming of age and adulthood when it isn't really, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's again, characters being forced into these roles because of their gender. Granted, we see some characters, male characters, forced into leadership early on in Aswaf. There were a couple really strong lines in the carriage. Yeah. Which, by the way, did anyone appreciate the cup holders in the carriage? Oh, they, that was the coolest shit in the world. They had cup holders for their wine goblets built in. Watch it again in that That's scene. Awesome. They're like, yeah, they're bolted to the wall. That was amazing. Uh, they really knew how to party back then, you yeah. know, in this historical time, this yeah. historical real time. This is going to sound so dumb. You know what cup holders I always loved from a movie in the mm. Santa Claus, the little hot chocolate maker? Oh. <laughs> oh, well, this is my number two then. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. This one's be- better, right? This yeah. is like their, I don't know, booze cruise shit. And <laughs> there's, there's this one line that I love from Rhaenyra of no one's here for me, mm-hmm. right? She's. There, it means no one's coming to the hunt on account of me, mm-hmm. but also no no one is here for her mm-hmm. on a personal level. No one's... She has no one. She's alone. Yeah, Allison reiterates it, right? Because Allison says, oh, Aegon came quickly and without a fuss when they talk about marriage and babies. And you see the serving women all look at one another like, okay, sure, without a fuss. That kid has never fussed. In yeah. fact, later, Aegon has a crying fit when she goes to talk to Otto. So you see it's false. Like, obviously he fusses. He's a baby. But she has serving women to help her. Uh, she has the serving women that are there for her, for the babe. Yeah. And she has Viserys. And she has her father. But she's taken. I mean, unfortunately, she kind of has Viserys now. And that was Rhaenyra's only person. Yeah. Now Rhaenyra has Kristen Cole. Well, she did have... Well, Alicent and Rhaenyra once upon a time had each other. Yeah. And now they don't. Every Everyone's... It's all just been... Again... Otto Hightower. Hope the conflict is a blocked artery. Um, there's this there's this line, boars scream mm. like children when they're being slaughtered, and it stares straight at Aegon too, who isn't going to die of being slaughtered as a child, so don't worry. However, he sure is going to have some children that do. So that felt, that was a total blood and cheese foreshadow. There was a lot of foreshadowing in this chapter, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. But, or this, this chapter, this episode. <laughs> it is thing. like a chapter, though. It is, a cha- it is. It's several chapters. Yeah. God. Boars scream like children when they're being slaughtered. Ugh. Mm, very, Ugh. very interesting. Yes. Let's talk about a couple of other not-so-boring oh my God. moments. Yeah, some very strong moments, The I royal hunt. Oh. <laughs> the royal hunt. 
Larry's clubfoot and Harwin strong. That's all I care about is that we get Larry's and Harwin. I don't care about anything else. Well, I guess I'm sad for Rhaenyra because she like stays in the carriage while everybody cheers Aegon to the Conqueror Bay. <laughs> this is so, so dumb. So stupid. I so hate people. Dumb. It's... <laughs> you and Matt were so excited to discuss how strong last night. I was so excited. I love how strong, and I just think that they get a strong introduction. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We will be insufferable. We will be insufferable throughout, I mean, the rest of the show in this season. We're already insufferable. Yeah, true, but with the strong puns. I mean, we can't help it. We didn't do it. George did. It's not our fault. Yeah, I mean, it's there to make the joke constantly. Yeah. As we go inside the pavilion tent, we got a lot of little, I mean, this is oh very political. Gosh. So yes. much political stuff dropping. Uh, I love, by the way, Rhaenyra's bun this week. Looks yes. like her Celtic, not Valyrian steel necklace. Like, it has the same like inner roping. So that was very cool. A cool concept. Larry Strong, he decides to join all the gossiping ladies. So as mentioned, we have some gossiping women that are around Alicent, all the ladies at court, which is awesome because that is, that's one of my biggest complaints for Sansa going to King's Landing. Yeah. She doesn't have a court with her. Like, you don't send your daughter to go be a queen and not give her a court of ladies. You're yeah. already isolating her. Talk about dad issues. But Alicent has ladies dispatched all around her. Again, no one's there for Rhaenyra, but she has all this court surrounding her where Rhaenyra only has, like, men looking at her as the hunt prize. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, the ladies in court, I guess she could, but they're all, they're hunting her too, yeah. right? Lady Redwine puts her on the spot with, so what the fuck is going on with this war? And it is a little damning that mm -hmm. Rhaenyra does not have a good answer for it, especially if she's meant to be heir, right? Yeah. I know that it, we're meant to see this as an own against Lady Redwine, which... Totally it is, right? I mean, also also that pug was, as many have pointed out, the star pug. of the show. Oh my god, amazing, amazing. For her to say, I don't really have an opinion or a say on what goes on in the war, um, and I've been spoken to my uncle in the past few years, it, it shows weakness in mm -hmm. the house mm -hmm. in general, and that she's not up to date. But at the same time, she's also in a bind, right? Like, what can she say that does not that could not be interpreted as treason against her father's wishes. It was a very interesting position to be put into. And that right there is like a whole other political warfare happening, yes. right? That she has to navigate both of these worlds of both the men that just want her for her body. Yeah. And also for claim. her name and claim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then these women that also want that same thing in a totally different way, how they digest her. Right, They want yeah. everything else she has to offer. And part of it is she doesn't want to play those games of courtesy. We see that she isn't, you know, she doesn't like that. Last episode with, with choosing Kristen Cole before getting to him, Otto's like, now you're supposed to say thank you to these guys. And yeah. she's like, why? They didn't do anything for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, the political, she gets that from her dad, right? Hating politics, apparently. Right. But whereas I guess, I mean, Viserys doesn't, he doesn't do the thing, right, mm -hmm. either. Because I was going to be like, Maybe it's a little like Stannis being like, I don't want to do all this pop, but like it's not because Viserys does it in a very different way. Rhaenyra's way is a little maybe more similar to Stannis, but well, the ladies, as you said, right, they want what she has, mm -hmm. not just like in the way of what she can offer them, but is there an extent in which they want what she has, which is as well that freedom, right? She's mm -hmm. the heir. She could own 
the throne, she could have power. She and hasn't we, married yet. Yeah, they they don't. But these women offer a different kind of power, which, as you said, Larry Strong is trying to get into. Yeah, because he has to navigate that, right? Yeah. As having his disability with his club foot. I can't get over that they literally showed it. Like, it's such a big proponent of his character. And it's something Game of Thrones would never have done. Like, look at Tyrion, right? Look at yeah. Tyrion's nose. They didn't even want to go the full way with cutting Dinklage's nose off. And he's a main character. That is a lot. I get that. They'd have to do it every single episode for all those well, seasons. They'd only have to cut Dinklage's nose off once. Oh, that's true. <laughs> they should <laughs> come into the pit. What unions? It's Labor Day. <laughs> what? Unions? It's Labor Day in the U.S., folks. Um, but that, I mean, I get it. It's a lot. It's every single makeup, etc. So they did the best they could with that prosthetic for the scar, which is good. But it is such a big part of his character, and he uses it his disability to like navigate these circles right the men don't look at him as being masculine enough because he has a deformed foot so he can't go out to the yard and pop beers with the bros and train right that's not who he is he has to learn other ways and that's also what makes him most dangerous because even though we see in these scenes jason lannister throwing himself at rhaenyra and being kind of a cock about it and totally going about it the wrong way like you don't Mm. that's not how you approach rhaenyra on it but like even though we see that Larry's has to learn and does learn that the most powerful place to be was right there with Kira Redwine and or no sorry Kira Lannister and Lady Redwine Jocelyn Redwine that's the place to listen yes absolutely and that's so interesting that you're saying that Larry's does inhabit this in-between space Mm -hmm. or ostracized space as well when it comes to gender for both of those but so does Rhaenyra Mm -hmm. she's not for many obvious reasons, masculine enough to be at the men's table, etc., but also because of her position, doesn't also like join the ladies mm-hmm. at court. But also, her father does try to kind of make some of that space by being like, oh, you should come with us on the hunt. But the real place she should be isn't at the hunt, which though there is, of course, there are studies and there is evidence that things like, you know, going on golfing trips with the men when it comes to business and stuff, right? That is where a lot of the deals are made. That is where a lot of those connections professionally are made. She's got to be at the table. She's got to be at the small council table. Mm-hmm. And as we saw in episode two, she's not. Yeah. And, and they're taking her seriously. And it's been two years, dude. <laughs> so one of the biggest call outs yes. in this. Oh my God. We were so hyped. You and I were sitting on this couch so excited <laughs> when they called out Lady Joanna, the black swan, yes. right? Joanna Swan, a noblewoman from House Swan during the reign of Kings Jaehaerys one, Viserys one, Aegon two, Aegon three. Uh, she becomes an influential courtesan and Lee's. I was so excited they referenced her and referenced that this is good. Like, this is what gives me hope that we might get some of the least stuff. Oh, right. Yeah, because interesting. Yeah, yeah. this, they, they have to go to Pentos this season already. We're definitely going to get further least stuff if they do a good job with this show, I think. Yeah. At least. At least. We got this. And yeah, it does kind of make you wonder will we get the Aegon third? stuff towards the end i i have no idea what scope of the show they're trying to do so very very interesting if we keep watching sunday nights at 9 p.m we'll find out i think how for how long though you have to keep watching for years this apparently might come next season might come out 2024 but my god no seriously but uh so one last shout out to the pug and now let's go outside the tent (sighs) 
So Jason Lannister is the fucking gall. <laughs> I just want to say, also, amazing job. Amazing yes. job. The Parent actor's trap. doing... Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, Lindsay Lohan... Did it first. Did it first, did it the best, but I'm happy. This is the actor of Sir Hugh of the Vale. He dies early on in Game of Thrones. No, but it's <laughs> really laughing. It is, it is. And yeah, the hand's turny. I'm happy. I'm happy for him. Like, I'm, I'm impressed. They did a good job because... Even though I knew it's the same guy, they did look different. Like, yeah. they look different. They had different personalities. Yeah. It, it, it was only minor confusing. Like, it, at most, at most, if there was any confusion, it was very small confusion. And I figured it out. And I knew it was coming just because, you know, obviously we're into production stuff and we care about the show and the, the books. But it was very interesting that they chose him to do both. Thailand, I mean, I really appreciate Thailand's character. I actually yeah. am just finishing up, like I said, Fire and Blood again. And so they just, he just came back as the hooded hand, basically. Um, like a superhero or a, a vigilante, I should say, a Batman vigilante, the hooded hand. I'm excited that they're keeping them in because, again, there is just these side characters that I really didn't think had a place. Not didn't have a place, but I, you know, I'm just, I've been hurt. Well, Thailand <laughs> plays a pretty significant role throughout mm-hmm. the dance. Jason, not so much. Yeah, his wife plays a significant role in the Hour of the Wolf, right? Yeah, that's true. So it is interesting that they brought them in. I don't know. It's fun. I know our friend Mike is having like a fantastic. He's having like a Super Bowl, I guess. Is what I assume Super Bowls are like. But Mike is so excited with all the minor characters that are getting like that are joined. <laughs> yeah, Jason Lannister, wonderful execution of terrible guy (laughs) well there's something that's really obviously being drawn in the sand here too is we're seeing some of these rejections happening for rhaenyra with men or we're seeing like her make her choices and it's laying the seeds for these further battles to ensue because Mm. jason becomes a staunch green supporter right he supports his armies down in the riverlands he's a big person in the riverlands taking people out with aemond um so you already can see those seeds set up here that he Rhaenyra doesn't like him and didn't appreciate the way he came after her, which I don't appreciate the way he came after her at all either. Something that really struck me was when he told her, he's like, well, I'd build a dragon pit, of course, for you. And she's like, oh, shit, you're hitting on me. Sorry, I didn't know it was this kind. (laughs) Like, she changes tone. She's like, oh, that's what this is about, which we've all been there. But he says that he'd give her a dragon pit for her dragon or dragons, you know, thinking that they'd have children and she would give them dragon eggs and the Lannisters could become that kind of powerful family. And he's really just seeking to keep her and collect her in his dragon pit, right? Yeah. Like a trophy case. All men do. And it reminds me of, uh, I can't do High Valyrian. It's not for me. I hope you all can think about it at home in your head. But when Danny says a dragon is not a slave, going back to that first episode, when we see Rhaenyra get off Syrax and the dragon keepers, you know, tame the dragon back into the cave, it's very much sim- symbolic of her entire journey in this show and how, like, she's just trying to be kept at every corner. People are just trying to put her in that trophy case at every corner. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they're a little astounded that she has a say, mm-hmm. right? Jason goes about it all the wrong way. <laughs> No couth, man. <laughs> really, though? Like, it could have... If if he were a different dude, maybe it could have gone well. Maybe maybe he could have gotten that marriage claim he wanted, but he's not that dude. Mm-hmm. And this obviously upsets Rhaenyra, who then picks brings it to fight. her dad. <laughs> yeah, brings it up to her dad. As you said, picks a huge fight, which is 
I would too. Yeah, I was like, I expect no- nothing less from 17-year-old girl. <laughs> yeah, like, you sent your fucking weird friend to hit on me, Dad? That's really the context no. of the convo. And he's like, well, I, and he didn't, to be fair. He didn't send Jason to do that because Jason, we see, approaches him later yeah, about it. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, he never asked miscommunication like that is yeah. bad. That's a bummer because this fight... Yes, she's mad. It's not specifically his fault right this moment. However, she's bringing it up in a great way. Like, dude, because you aren't saying anything, these people think this is okay to treat me like this. And they see Mm -hmm. me as just like a way to get to you as an extension of you. Yeah. They see me... They don't see me as their future queen. Mm -hmm. They see me, as you said before, right? As... Their What's future being hunted. Yeah, they're the prize. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's not the case at all. And it does not help that Viserys scolds his daughter in front of the entire court, right? And as was nope. discussed in episode two, does not help like how he has not been training his court and all of the lords to take Rhaenyra seriously as a leader. Yeah. I mean, it starts with him. He can say things all day long, quietly, under the guise of no one listening. Funny how it's those things that he doesn't let people hear. But he can say those things all the time. But it's his actions that speak so much louder than those words that he's barely saying. Yep. And we see the difference in people's actions, right? Um, These Targaryen's actions and what makes one a leader and what doesn't when uh, throughout this episode. Yeah, like he's, I don't know. And everyone sees it. Everyone sees it and looks and they're like, what the fuck? It's kind of fucked up that Otto is the one that is like, you guys, you can't make a scene like this in front of everyone. And he interrupts and changes the subject. And he's like, ah, the true king should go catch the true white heart in the Kingswood, my king. And it's going to be you because you're my king. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Uh, it's a, uh, he's singing on the inside. I am sure <laughs> when yeah. all that happens, especially because, yeah, I mean, they all think that the heart is a sign for Aegon the second. And it's interesting that in, in the earlier party, they all point out how he has Viserys's eyes nose face trying to almost like be like oh he's almost just as good as a real like a pure valyrian right that's interesting because they are tugging apart the purity of the targaryen line you know yeah and whereas rhaenyra obviously has more Mm -hmm. targaryen blood um she sure does it's a wreath it is a wreath i'm not saying that you know being inbred is a good thing but uh Anyways, um, regarding how Otto distracts Viserys, our friends over at Direwolf City, I remember Grey, after the first episode, pointed out how during that small council meeting, Otto distracts Damon bringing up, I mean, serious issues. And is like, let's talk about the tourney. And he does the same here, right? He keeps distracting from real things by bringing up all the fun stuff that Viserys wants to talk about instead, like with the hunt and, and hunting the heart. I mean, I would even go as far to imply, like, he is the one that's probably also pushing that Viserys needs to feast and hunt all the time. I bet he's saying, oh, the lords need the distraction, blah, blah, blah. Probably. He's probably the reason for that. He definitely starts to really, this episode especially, I love that he's, like, talking to Allison at one point, and he's like, yeah... So now our new narrative is this, even though, yes, my dear, just a couple days ago, we were talking about how I am the reason that Rhaenyra is the heir. Do, 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 do. Undo, undo. Yeah. Control Z. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can't just undo that. We already saved the game. Yeah, absolutely. We hit a checkpoint. You can't undo what you did. And he's trying to do that. And uh, it's so annoying. 
Let's see more about it. And, you know, Rhaenyra storms off, as any teenager would. Again, all of this is relatable content. Mm -hmm. Kristen Cole follows because no one understands her except for us. And they do this for most of the episode, partially because it's his job. And he's like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. He actually does a fantastic job of like jumping on the horse very quickly and chasing after her. I was impressed. Yeah, he was fast. And so you and I were kind of discussing this offline that we're implying that for three years he's been her sworn shield now. So they should have a decently close relationship. That's what they said in the after episode. I didn't feel that, unfortunately. I felt more like this was their relationship really blossoming. Yes, I I did feel that way. Like, this is one of their first conversations, Mm -hmm. which for me would be fine if it were, because it makes sense that Mm -hmm. Rhaenyra has been so isolated for two years and is obviously frustrated by that. But I didn't, I did not get very close friends over the past two to three years from this. Obviously, it would still be formal, but... I don't know. Yeah, I didn't get that. And that's okay. Whatever. It's not really a big grape that I have with it. I can live. I can, obviously, I can fill in the blanks because I've been doing it already before the show. You know, that's the book's nature. Yeah. And I was fine with what I was presented, right? Mm -hmm. Like already without, it was the behind the scenes telling me that that threw me off. So I'm fine with it as is on screen. But they do have a short amount of time to make that work for me. Sure. Like next episode is, it seems, it. Rhaenyra is the princess of Dragonstone, and she says a very interesting line. She Uh, says that she feels toothless. I thought that this was a very fun thing for her to say, because as many of you may or may not know, toothless is the name of a famous dragon in How to Tame Your Dragon. Interesting. I'm glad that I saved this line for you, and that's (laughs) what you brought me. (laughs) I thought you knew that's why we were saving the line. I didn't know what you... I thought you were bringing something, like... Big. Well, I had something that else. That is big. Well, I guess. Toothless, it is, is kind of like toothless, how to train your dragon. Toothless is pretty important. Well, I will say that it reminds me of Arya. In A Clash of Kings, Arya 10. You are Arya of Winterfell, daughter of the North. You told me you could be strong. You have wolf blood in you. The wolf blood, oh. Arya remembered now. I'll be as strong as Rob. I said I would. She took a deep breath and lifted the broomstick in both hands and brought it down across her knee. It broke with a loud crack, and she threw the pieces aside. I am a direwolf and done with wooden teeth. Feeling toothless, right? Like, being, obviously, we know that means that she feels like she has no fucking offense. She has no, you know, she feels like... She has no power. She has no power. It's all been ripped out. Um, And I just was reminded of the direwolf wooden teeth line from Arya. She's done feeling toothless herself. Yeah, it's funny when you brought up Arya right before you talked about that line in the wooden teeth. I actually thought you were going to bring up her throwing away lion's tooth slash paw. Mm, lion's tooth. Okay, interesting. Her Arya going off with Micah, the butcher's boy. Yeah. Right, instead of- Not our friend. Yeah, not our friend Micah. But going off with <laughs> Micah, the butcher's boy, on the trident when they're all, you know, carousing and they're- yeah doing the hunt stuff. It does remind me of that a bit of when she trots off on her horse and Kristen follows her. Yeah. Yeah. And practicing all of that. And we're actually working up through the Game of Thrones plot because then we're going to get to Aemond and the strong boys. And that fight is literally just Arya, Joffrey, Micah, Sansa, and the wolf dying because of it. Like it's kind of the same. Yeah. There's a lot of the same drama. They're all pulled out in the middle of the night to deal with it, it looks like. So I feel like that's going to be interesting. I don't remember if you had this later on, but you were saying something really, really interesting while we were watching about seeing more of Arya in Mm -hmm. Arya's character in Rhaenyra. Yeah, because the interviews that kind of came up before the launch of the show 
I think both Emma and Millie, the actors that play Rhaenyra, they both said they read Arya lines for Rhaenyra. And I never pictured Rhaenyra's Arya. I mean, again, we don't have POVs on these characters, so we've had to fill in a little of the imagination. But I never understood considering Arya was within her. But you can see like that that blatant yeah. want to run away from tradition and not wanting to have to do it that way and being kind of stuck in your gender prison which both characters very much are. And with the boar, we'll talk about the boar in a bit here, but the boar mm. actually, in my opinion, really reminds me of Arya. Now, Kristen has this line where he tells Rhaenyra that he owes her for his station and for everything he's kind of become as a Kingsguard because he didn't have this opportunity before. I love that. I think that is like an interesting way to leverage this because he's saying right now, thank you. But later he probably won't feel very grateful because mm. it almost feels like a trap. Like it really does remind me as we've likened Kristen to Jamie Lannister in the books already because of the Kingmaker and being able to crown another um, and him killing another, you know, Jamie killing a King and Kristen crowning a King. There's, a little bit of a Cersei Jamie vibes, right? That Rhaenyra has single-handedly condemned Kristen Cole to the Kingsguard, whether he knows it or not. He yeah. can do some great things, some terrible things from that role, but he will be stuck in that role till he dies. Yeah, and it's... He's playing it kind of... This is why I was like, I'm not sure I got that sense of closeness, right? Mm -hmm. It feels like he's like playing his cards close to his chest, which makes sense, right? That's what you kind of have to do with these royals. We see Alicent having to do it with Viserys, but he does feel, seem trapped. And he's telling Rhaenyra, people would envy your position. And I mean, that's true, right? Many women would, but as she points out, not everyone has been in my position, mm -hmm. which is, I mean, there's truth to that as well, right? It's, it's a precarious position to find yourself in. Yeah, and then being able to choose, choose your path, he can't anymore. Mm -hmm. And... This is his path now. Yeah. For this, better or for worse. This is his job now. He's a Supreme Court justice. And <laughs> and so uh, we were discussing this also on uh, Matt's stream last night. His his armor mm -hmm. has this like banded design to it. Uh, all the Kingsguard do. But it reminds me of the dresses that Alicent wore in both episode one and two. That bandaged sort of look of them being sort of strapped and bound in their position this path for them but also yeah i can't it, does he does he hate it or not but also he will he didn't have to he didn't have to put in a job application for it right well, like and why was he there then i think that have... also does show like his ambitions because he yeah. does say like he tells her i never had a formal betrothal because i wasn't high enough nobility for that to fucking matter no yeah. one cared about me yeah. just like how she's feeling right now like no one cares about her you know that's probably why they're so drawn to one another because he knows that life but he wants more he also is vying to get just a taste a lick of that ambition that's just radiating around her right now as she is the heir until yeah. someone changes that or a taste of freedom right mm -hmm. to tie back to what Mizaria told Damon. Damon, she's hoping for liberation to feel free for her. It's free from fear. For Kristen, what is it? Free to do what? And you were talking about how there are similarities between his and Rhaenyra's position right now. I wonder if he and Alicent then would they bond over... We have to watch our words all the time around these people that we are mm -hmm. with all the time. That's how do true. You play, how do you play giving counsel? I mean, that is a big part honest. of Alicent. Yeah. yeah. How do you deliver those words yeah 
Interesting. <sighs> I, I want more Kristen Cole because I do want to care about that because I don't feel like I care anything about him. <laughs> I, I want to see that built up because I want to understand. I think the betrayal needs to have weight. Mm-hmm. And it will, probably, but I'm still... I'm not there yet with him. And also because that is, I think, one of the biggest mysteries, right? How did it all really play out when it comes to everything that fell out between the two of them? And so I don't know. I don't know. The next two episodes are going to be really pivotal for that. That's going to be, they really have to bring it home. And I'm glad they started in episode three. I think that means episode four maybe we'll get a chance to see that expanded but i don't know in the weeks the next week trailer you know we see damon comes back and i think that will be a big driver for her and Kristen. like that's the wedge that comes between them it seems ah mm, comes between yeah, them yeah oh oh or not comes well it because will because he's a oh but it's true guard that's so true. who knows he's got that's a true. edge forever oh my god Okay, so the men are in the forest and they're chasing the heart. They're seeking the beast. Otto has this line. He says, I've never been one for signs and portents, your grace. But he said the thing. The whole entire episode's theme for Viserys hysterically underneath the guise of this hunt is he is one for signs and portents, which is, if you don't remember, it's Dany's the Dreamer's accounts in Dragon Dreams, basically, brought over from Valyria. He has a whole entire signs and portents scene in front of the fire with Alicent after this. So it's really interesting that Otto's playing on that and being like, you know, I don't really get into that prophecy stuff that you kind of slam around Viserys. However, if we get this heart, you know, this white heart, very important that it's beautiful and white, like the blood of Valyria yeah. for plot reasons to come. <laughs> but if if we get this, it's a sign that you're the truest king ever. It's, it's pretty funny because I... On one hand, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's kind of, I guess, an Easter egg. That's for us. Thank you, Ryan mm-hmm. Condell. Appreciate you. Thank you. And <laughs> as you're talking about regarding the White Heart, it's something that comes up in the first book. Mm-hmm. Joffrey is hunting for one, does not find one, which goes to show us, you know, as well as that he's not the true king. But also it's something that, you know, as, as they point out in the behind the scenes episode is... A symbol that goes back even to Arthurian legend of of being a sign of legitimacy in a way. Yeah, that's perfect because... Magic. Sansa is very like, I had a dream Joffrey would get the white heart. You know, it's very rare and magical and he's much worthier than his drunken father. Uh, And it doesn't go well for them either because they do find the white heart in A Game of Thrones, but wolves found it first. Oh. Ah, Oh. ah, Oh. ah, A little different than what actually goes down in this episode. But, I mean, the symbolism is very obvious. Before we get to kill that heart, Viserys is just getting bombed. He's getting drunk as hell because everything sucks. First of all, he's in bodily pain since he's, you know, lost some of his fingers. The infection is spreading and And it's And yet he's touching all of the food at the buffet with his bare hands. Oh my god. It's his buffet, Aliana. I know, but he's just like... It is some great gross body horror. Use some tongs, my god. Yeah, what a heartbeat barbarians Some chopsticks or something i don't know <laughs> christ it's um it's gruesome those fingers are gruesome think about the rest of us the series we want to eat that food too <laughs> he's consuming so much wine like you're just seeing him drink and drink and drink and it's obvious that he can no longer stand to exist without doing that like that's how he's existing right consumption insane uh jason lannister shows up and gives him a special spear he had commissioned just that day 
for killing the White Heart. Also, he's like, I want to marry your daughter, but I have nothing to offer you, by the way. <laughs> um, but at the same time, Jason is assuming this is a discount proposition because he's like, well, everyone knows you're you're making Aegon your heir, right? Like, that's what this whole entire, you know, weekend of celebration is about since you had this son and it's his name day and you're doing a celebration for him. Wow, where's Rhaenyra's name day celebration? Like 15 years ago. <laughs> Or even like the last three years, though. Anyways, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Um, well, that's a that's a good question. Where has it been? Especially if she's coming of age. Where is her party. coming out? Where's her quinceanera? Her wedding. That's supposed to be her coming out. You're supposed to come out as wed. So they don't have. Yeah, I guess they don't have cotillions, right? Right. Like, a cotillion would have been smart. They should have done something like that. Or mm. yeah. I mean, obviously now she's going to be traveling around to you know do the bachelor ceremony in several places, but. It, it is interesting that, like, Aegon's getting these huge festivities thrown in his name after doing nothing. Just being a baby. Just being born. He was born with a penis. And again, only some people are able to do that, as you said earlier, Chloe. Statistically. <laughs> only some people can do that. And Aegon was one of them. Congrats, Aegon. But that's the thing is, like, they literally made a huge weekend yeah. of festivities for him. Of course, this is what people are thinking. And Viserys yells at Jason Lannister so, and it's like a quiet yell. He's like, how dare you say these things? You know Rhaenyra is the heir. And no, I'm not going to yell this part louder for everyone yeah, to hear. I'm like, <sighs> yeah, he tells him, he pretty much is like, you know, I need you now to take this and tell all of your lords that you know. And I'm like, He's why don't you just do make an announcement? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now you have discretion? You have the royal voice. Exactly, exactly. Use your fucking king's lord's voice. Yeah. And he uses a, uses a quiet voice later on, you know, where he's like, tells Otto, he's like, I just, I want Rhaenyra to be happy. And Otto Hightower kind of like nods. And I'm like, that man does not understand the concept of wanting his daughter to be happy. I know it. I know it. He's like, I want Rhaenyra to be happy. And Otto's like, Good thought process. Maybe we marry her to Aegon the Second. Yeah, right. What? what? <laughs> Even Viserys laughs. He like straight up laughs. Yeah, he's like, you fucking idiot. Like, you serious right now, Otto? That's hysterical. She would murder us. Yeah, but at the same time, Otto's maybe like, I don't understand. It's a smaller age gap between you and Alicent. He doesn't say it aloud, but let's be real. <laughs> it's a thought, but and this is something we also discussed last night with our friend Matt. But it does imperil. The mm-hmm. royal line for mm-hmm. her to wed Aegon the Second. Yeah. When it comes to if if their goal is even at all, right, retaining, I don't know, blood and power within House Targaryen, she'd have to wait a while mm-hmm. before she could even begin bearing heirs if that is the goal if she wed Aegon the Second. Because there's this disgusting sweet spot that women can get fertile younger. Doesn't mean their bodies can bear children better or easier. But, you know, fertility comes at a certain age and goes at a certain age, statistically. Yeah. You know, they like to push you to breed faster. I mean, even even when she gets to that point, right, which would be about, like, in her 20s, Aegon mm-hmm. still wouldn't be old enough. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's two minds. Like, the age gap really sucks there. Okay, I told you yesterday. In CK2, the other thing is, like, you don't want to just... <laughs> You don't want to just marry off all of your people in your line to make alliances because that means that when every fucking petty lord you've married into your line calls for a favor, you have to go help them, right? 
And so you want to save that for when, A, when you need the alliance. Like, you want to marry off when you need the alliance. Like, okay, we're doing this. B, it needs to be either beneficial then, if not. Like, if not marrying off for an alliance in war, it needs to be beneficial. So we're going to see Lena and Damon, right, get betrothed. And that becomes very beneficial, especially after this war where he went to war with her father in the Stepstones. And helped protect his, you know, economic gain. So to speak, like the Valerians were losing money. So he helped protect their legacy and he's getting rewarded for it. And it's a good alliance and it gives him a good alliance for later. And the biggest dragon. Mm-hmm. That too. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. So Viserys gets sloshed and there's this moment where the sound fades out, right? Is drowned out behind him and you hear echoes of laughter and screeches happening at court where everyone's feasting and you just see him drinking alone. And it's not unlike the scene in the brothel with Damon where everyone is, you know, festivities behind him and everything's blurring out and he's just drinking before the speech. Yeah, I think they're doing a good job this season of showing how all these people are very isolated even when they're amongst a crowd and that is to, and the nature of power to some extent, it is the nature of the roles that their society has given them. And it's something that I think was very important to the themes of A Song of Ice and Fire. Mm-hmm. Not that they dug into that in, in the original show. But it, it is in there in the books, right? Loneliness and isolation. And I, I though, when you were saying like you were drawing that parallel with uh, Damon in the brothel, I was like, why doesn't he go all the way with the parallel? Why does he not give a loud speech about his heirs, about heirs in general? And unfortunately, he does give a speech about that in private in front of in front of the fire. Anyway, we'll get to that eventually. Right now, Lionel Strong tells the series that Kristen went after Rhaenyra and that, you know, we're working on it. We plan to find her. There's this line from Viserys, and he says, If I had forbade her from marrying Jason Lannister, she would have done it out of spite. Well, don't write that idea off too fast, Viserys, because guess who she's going to run off and marry eventually? Your brother! That was so loud. There's so many, like, loud foreshadowing moments in this episode. They're fun. They're having fun with this. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Lionel asks Viserys, he's like, do you want my opinion? And he's like, fine. But then he's like, what are you going to say? That your sexy meatcake son is the strongest fighter in the Seven Kingdoms and should marry my daughter? And he's like, no, I don't want to be the next person you yell at today. He's (laughs) like, I'm not that stupid. I've watched, he's the smartest person there. He's like, watched every other person get yelled at by Viserys. And he says, including Rhaenyra. Including Rhaenyra. (laughs) Looks over at side. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I don't feel safe here. Um, He's way smarter though. He says, no, Rhaenyra should marry Lena Valerian. Remember, at, at one time, I told you to marry Lena, and you didn't, but thankfully there's another one in that family that could get married in. She should marry Lena. It's a perfect match. Honestly, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, this was fantastic advice. Thank you again. 10 out of 10, Lionel Strong. <laughs> yeah, he, he does not put forth Harwin like that here. But, you know, I mean... It's great, though, because in that same way, he's using what he just learned from Viserys, right? Like Viserys straight up just said, my daughter will not do something if I tell her to do it. I have to do the opposite. And Mm. Lyle goes, true, so I'm not going to tell you to tell her to marry my son. And it does the opposite effect. She still fucks Harwin. Yeah, exactly. exactly. She does it on her own. He wins. I mean, he does win in a way. 
except then he loses. Yeah, I was like, except for that part where they they die. But absolutely, right? Because he's like, no, she can't marry him. And (laughs) I do love how Lionel couches it of saying, like, this would help mend any slights, real or imagined, right? Because it's smart because Viserys thinks that they're imagined slights. He doesn't mm-hmm. think that like what he did to House Valerian was meant as a slight at all because he's but a fucking idiot. I yeah, mean, we know it was to them. They took that as a slight. I mean, it was a real slight, right? Yeah. Like Allison's only two years older, and he's like, "No, I'm married for love. It didn't mean anything." It's like <sighs> he didn't even marry for love. He married for attention, which yeah. I guess is just you know that works, but. I loved the real or imagined line because it's straight up the Cersei line, right? About Cersei never forgets a slight real or imagined. Oh, interesting. It's the same language. They're doing yeah. such a good job of pulling out a swath and putting it in the script just randomly. They're like, we got we got a chance to do it right. We can actually adapt books this time. <laughs> Them pulling out all the material that was unadapted. Wow, Signs look how points. much. Yeah. yeah, Look how much we could do. What's the next thing that, what's the next Easter egg we're going to get? That's what I want to know. It's going to get more and more each time, I I think. I mean, every episode has had more. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Every episode has had, like, more Easter eggs in it. So I'm excited about that. We flash over to Rhaenyra and Kristen in the boar scene. Uh, First off, right off the bat, there's a line. She straight up asks Kristen Cole and says, Do you think the realm will ever accept me as their queen? Again, conversations that they've probably been having for three years, right? (laughs) Right? Kristen says they'll have no choice but to, which is such deliberate wording because so many people are going to be forced to bend the knee to Rhaenyra. Yes. Whether they like it or not. Like in the most extreme use of the word forced. Like by dragon fighter. Absolutely. Absolutely. And... I just thought that was an interesting thing to say. That's not something you say to someone who's your good friend, you know, whom you admire. Mm -hmm. On one hand, we could interpret it as Lionel Strong's sorts of honesty. Mm -hmm. But Mm. on the other, I I don't know. There's something about the way that it's delivered that feels very uh, cagey, Mm -hmm. you know? like It feels like a non-answer. Yeah. Because she wasn't looking, maybe she didn't want to hear it from someone, you know, of yeah. them just say yes. Because yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, sometimes we all do. But at the same time, it was a non-answer. It didn't explain, I think they will because, and here's my essay, it was, well, there's no choice. They have to. Which isn't really... Yeah. And it's also not true because yeah. she knows that <laughs> there is another choice, right? Like, that's what the question really was, was, do you think they're going to choose Aegon over me? Is this really going to happen? Yeah. And... I mean, he's tired at this point, right? They've been mm-hmm. out, like, for a while, and... He's petty, because he's the one that does it. I yeah, mean, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I'm I'm fascinated how this evolves into that, because yeah, he doesn't... That's not something that someone who wants you to rule says, or who cares about you. I mean, it maybe, depending. The way it was delivered did not feel that way. And I mean, it's double-edged, because of, we know what's going to happen. Yeah, Without sure, knowing, absolutely, absolutely. it would do its most weight and work, you know, if you hadn't known what's to come with that betrayal if you didn't yeah. know Kristen Cole places the fucking crown on Aegon II's head. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know. For me, like, this scene feels like someone who's annoyed that he's... He feels like he's babysitting her, right? Because mm-hmm. of her te- temper tantrum, which... Her bad manners. Yeah. I mean, he does ask, like, 80 times, like, Princess, can we please fucking go back? Yeah. Ex- he- well, exactly, exactly. And she's like, I don't know. And finally she asks that question, 
which is, I think, all she wanted to hear. From anyone. She wanted honesty from someone, and then after that, they're able to go back after. Mm-hmm. Well, now, first, first she has her life imperiled, and then she sees the white heart, but like... Look at her at the beginning of the episode with the singer and how she treated the singer. No, start over. Mm-hmm. Go back to the beginning. Do it again. Don't listen to her. Yeah. Sit here and sing my song to me. And then look at how she also is doing that with Kristen's time. Yeah. You know, in a way that the people that serve her, too, she is, to an extent, exploiting that service and making them stay with her for her emotional needs, which is fine, because I do that to you all the time, but, like, (laughs) (laughs) for my emotional needs. But I guess it's, I mean, she's right. No one else is in her position. And again, that's isolation of loneliness. The only other person that she could really do that with is her father or with Damon as we see right with the with their dialogues with one another and it kind of reminds me of the little princess in a way the character from the great novel that like right. she is used to the, like her servants are all that she has in her life because she was such a you know independent streak child and she was a little um willful as a child and then she like ends up losing it all right and she has to kind yeah. of go into poverty and yeah. fight her way out of it. And so there are some aspects of it, like nothing, not one-on-one, none of this is one-one, but there's just even something about it of like, those are all, all my servants were my only friends because yeah. I've been isolated. All I have are these people. Yeah. And I think like, that's why, I don't know, the way she's treating Kristen and the singer, Samwell, Samwell, Samwell. isn't great, which is interesting, right? Like Allison does call him by name, mm-hmm. right? But she doesn't feel like there's anyone she can be close to in a real way. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have anyone to anymore. She has to grasp at the connections that she can try to grasp. And And hold on to. It's sad. It's really sad. Well, you see it reflected at the end, right? When she tries to hold on to Damon, even though he's flying away from her at full fucking speed at the end. And like she's like, maybe if I hold you to me harder, you will not leave. And... In a way, you see Viserys do a little bit of that because it's all that she knows is from him in that way to love. We're seeing that happen. The insecure attachment style, as the, mm. as people have been discussing in terms of different like relationship attachment styles. That's a good recently. point. Recently, I'm not a psychologist, but yeah. And then so... If you were a psychologist, what would you say about <laughs> her going Arya Stark on this boar? Yes, when that scene happened, I know. Apparently, I guess some people are seeing it as a sign in for madness. I don't, I don't see it. Do I don't that. see it as that. It, I saw it. I saw it as someone at their breaking point of frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it happened, I think you heard me yelling, "Is there gold in the village?" Yeah, I was on the other end of the couch, going, "How much? How much? How much?" <laughs> uh, it was amazing. I'm so excited to see the books adapted finally. Yeah, this is this is wild. There's there was so much anger and rage and like everything pent up within her. Yeah. And And she's tenderizing it so they can eat it better and faster. Absolutely. Which, I mean, so that is a part where, I don't know, I'm a little torn because on one hand, yes, they're tenderizing it. Uh, In the behind the scenes, they joke that she brings everyone pulled pork later. But I do love a whole chunk of roast pork. Slice it off. Yeah, but I guess it's boar, so it's harder, right? So you Mm -hmm. could... but you could. That would make a fantastic ragu. Actually, now that I think mm. about it, you like you shred it and then you like braise it for a long time. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> this is also remember. This is also a cooking 
podcast. This is a food podcast as well. Food podcast first, story second. Food ca- food podcast, comedy podcast. Finally, <laughs> we maybe talk about a song of ice and fire and surrounding stories. But we were talking about this again on Math Channel, and I I want to point out when I was contrasting this with Viserys's and like how those scenes are portrayed and why we accept one and not the other, like Rhaenyra mm-hmm. killing the boar. You and Matt pointed out it was in self-defense. But I, I, I just thought it was impressive on the part of the direction that we were able to have scenes that have maybe like similar ideas and moments, but the emotion is so different. Yeah, there's very different emotion in the way that it was mostly self-defense, but also at the same time, it was dead. Like It was dead, Kristen it got was dead it. by the second... Yeah, she didn't need to keep going. But again, it was therapy at that moment for her. She was getting out a lot of the silence, which that's even something really interesting to look at is look at, you know, the the no dialogue happening in the Stepstones during the battle for Daemon Norcrahas that we'll talk about. And like for her, she didn't need words in that moment because everything was within her, just like those battles. Something very interesting about the wordless battling that all these characters Mm -hmm. had to do in their moment. Uh, and before we get to Viserys's metaphor with the heart, because it's a big one, it's a whopper, can't wait, we have to talk about Viserys telling Alicent about the vision, about the prophecy, oh in a way. He straight up, I mean... This was the wrong drunken speech, Viserys! This is not the drunken speech about heirs that we wanted! And he gives her everything. I mean, this is... I feel really bad because it what puts her in such a... Her? Sorry. Oh my god. It puts her in such an imposition, first of all. Like, the more she knows, the worse it is for her, because it's what her father demands of her, right? Like, yeah. the information that she knows, she is her father's pipeline to the true king at this point, and who he really is in personality. So for him to tell her everything, and to tell her that he felt... Like, maybe he made an incorrect decision in naming Rhaenyra heir at first. And that now he knows that, like, you know, that was wrong of me to think that way. But he says to her, you know, he's like, but what if? And then he tells her his entire vision of placing Aegon's crown was placed upon his son's head and the dragon's roaring. And what is Alicent going to think about that? When push comes to shove and her protection, which is Viserys, dies. Yeah. And all she has is her father in one ear and her children's lives in the other, she's going to see this as her making sure this prophecy happens, right? I mean, she's also thinking that she needs to carry out this prophecy now. She probably will feel some sort of a debt to it. They're aiming towards two different prophecies, right? Allison's aiming towards this one that Viserys saw, and then Rhaenyra's aiming towards an older one that's been Mm -hmm. passed down. That's the legacy. That's what's been passed down in her family that we see in the trailer for the next episode, the little... The sword, the, the knife, the, knife, the, the knife. cat's paw. Yeah, the cat's, the knife in which the prophecy is. But what Allison doesn't seem to know about the dragon dreams, because she has not read Signs of Importance, probably. Mm-hmm. It's banned in the Reach. Uh, I mean, maybe, it's probably here in this library, but I don't know. They're both bookish, these two girls. But she, it's a warning. The, the dragon dream that Viserys has is not, like, something you should be aiming towards. It's a warning. Do not let this pass. Same mm-hmm. as, like, don't stay for the Doom of Valyria. Don't fucking let winter come. <laughs> That's what this is. A dra- this dragon dream is a warning. Do not put the crown on the boy. But they take it the complete opposite way. <laughs> because, I mean, of course. I, I mean, that's it. That's he, the whole he did such a, He did such a good job. He was born with a penis. Stop! Have to crown him. <laughs> um, so we're back to Viserys, right? He, he kills the heart. And I want to come back to what you were saying about the differences and how the heart and the boar are killed. 
And the heart is tied up, held mm. down by several men with dogs everywhere, horses everywhere. Uh, they they have it caught up. It's There's no fighting back for this heart. It, the imagery is not unlike Emma being held down to be Ooh. cut open. I mean, sorry to bring it back up. It's been a couple episodes, but it's not unlike that with the women holding her down. Uh, and once more, his Warhammer set, his kingdom, none of this was earned, right? So him... The whole idea of the king catching the prize for the hunt is that, like, it's supposed to show, ah, he's a true hunter, he's a true warrior in the woods, he he went out there with his spear and he caught it, but these men have caught it and tied it up and said, now here you go, Viserys, come stab it and cut it open. And like Theon and like Rob, he isn't able to kill it on the first go, even while it's right there in front of him, right? Yeah. So... That's a sign. That's important. Uh, and the other thing that's said, they find it's a brown heart. It's not a white heart. And they say, ah, it's still the same thing. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because they call it burly and strong. And it's brown instead of white. And not the unlike, one who delivers that line. Yeah, is a strong. So it's not unlike the strong boys. Mm-hmm. And that's like... I mean, that right there is the metaphor for his reign and what's about to come from mm-hmm. his line. Absolutely. It makes me think that we're going to see him deal a lot more personally with the bastardization stuff and, like, that he knows that they're bastards. And This man only takes things personally. <laughs> he, he literally does. He does not consider anything from a larger societal perspective until someone's like, but what if you thought about it like this? Like, everything's personal to him. And... <laughs> I love, I love the comparison that you're making about the heart and Emma Aaron mm-hmm. and her death because, as you said, right, they're here. They're like, all right, here it is. Here's the hunt. Mm-hmm. Perform masculinity now. Go be a man. Go do your job as a man and in service of this ritual of patriarchy. And that is what killed Emma Aaron, mm-hmm. right? The ritual of patriarchy on which she was sacrificed. Yeah, it was like an altar. It was. And that's what this is. They're all gathered around to watch it, mm-hmm. right? It's all just a performance. And, you know, speaking of of that, like, he feels it. Yeah. <laughs> he feels it completely. And also, it's not a white heart, which is, as they point out in the behind the scenes, like, he's relieved to an extent, because that's the moment that he decides to never disclose to Allison of, like, that reassured me that I made the right choice in picking my daughter, um, because there wasn't a white heart for my son's thing. So he's not the chosen one. But anyway, the way that it's presented also makes me think, like, is it like Otto putting Allison in front of the series, but also... How he couldn't kill like a fucking still deer, whereas mm-hmm. Damon's out here. He's the one being hunted. And then, I don't know, doing all the fighting. Not that being a good fighter makes you a good king. That is not mm-hmm. what I am saying, but. And this isn't even. Yeah. Yeah. But he's willing to be out there and do it himself. Yes, and to be amongst the people and to do a real mm-hmm. fight, not a fake one in service of pomp. This is like something that is good for the economy of Westeros. Mm -hmm. And I will say, Viserys looks away and closes his eyes when he goes to stab the heart. Oh. Don't look away. Father will know. Oh my god. Yeah, when can a man be brave? Interesting. Interesting. But also, like, Arya 
You know where the heart is, right? Yeah. And maybe if Viserys cannot look the heart in the eye, he shouldn't be killing it. He should not. Fucker. That was horrid. Yeah. That was uh, that line earlier about the boar, you know, screeching, like child being slaughtered. Fuck, the heart screeching. That was was devastating. Yeah. They did that on purpose. No real animals were killed in the filming, as far as I know, of of House of the Dragon. (laughs) And there were real animals around. This is an episode about dogs. Oh my god. As you pointed out for me. You pointed it out for me. Yeah. It's a doggo episode. There's so many dogs in this episode. There it are. was made for you. There's some good peacocks. Jowls. Yeah. There were also yeah, that's right. Two peacocks. It's also a Borb episode. And Burbs, yeah. And we talked about vultures. Vultures. <laughs> we need hawking. Uh, I want them to give me a hawking oh. scene. Mmm, very interesting. Very I would love to see like Laner and Rhaenyra go hawking. Didn't Rhea Royce like to go hawking? Mm-hmm. Who knows what's happened to her? I think we're going to see her still. I really do. I, I, I think we kind of have to, right? That's why I'm like, how much show do we have here to get through? Shit. Rhaenyra, when she sees the white heart, right? It's all sorts of full of symbolism and metaphors. There's something to be said. Like you said, it's almost like an altar, right? So it's almost like an altar, like Otto putting Alicent out as a sacrifice for his king to gain power, right? You gain power from a sacrifice. Mm. Uh, from a blood sacrifice, so to speak. And Rhaenyra letting the White Heart go because she's the White Heart, right? Like, all these men came vying for her hand, hunting her like meat for her prize, her name, her place, her claim. The White Heart being the chosen one, the chosen heir, and that same idea that, like, that's the heir that Viserys chose. You know, if that had come to him today, he would have been like, Aegon, you're the heir. Maybe it is true. All for you. But because he doesn't, and Rhaenyra sees it, and she lets the White Heart go and walk away. Not unlike Arya Stark with the White Horse in season eight's oh masterpiece, God. The Bells. Oh my God. It's my podcast. You guys can't be mad at me. Uh, <laughs> Why? It's true, though. I mean, it's the same symbolism. Like, it's that purity, innocence of, like, letting it walk away, letting something still be whole instead yeah. of tearing it apart for tearing it apart's sake. And it's interesting that it's from Arya's view there, and this is for Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. I mean, after we saw Rhaenyra have a little bit of that Arya-esque stabby-stabby going on. Oh, that's so true, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and, and I think that's important because, again, like, I don't see her stabbing the boar as indicative of her madness. I also don't think Rhaenyra goes mad. Um, I don't really think that madness is a fair term anyways. Like, I, I really don't. I think that, like you said, it's somebody that's been pushed to their breaking point, And we see a lot of these Targaryens yeah. pushed in one way or another to their breaking point. Because it turns out managing the lives of, yeah. what, millions of people or whatever. Who knows how many people there are. But that's why, that's why you were forced to retire by a certain age if you're an air traffic controller. It's stressful. It's super stressful. And, oh, that also has to do with things in the air, if you think about I was it. I thinking about, about dragons. dragons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, who has gone into a presidency in the U.S. and come out looking younger? <laughs> no one. No one. Yeah, they like it's it's a time chamber itself. There's time skips within mm-hmm. that pregnancy, not presidency, that presidency. Oh my god! Yeah, absolutely. Regarding her finding the white heart, you know, I'm torn on this because she does the right thing. That is the right thing, not killing the heart. And again, that shows that it's not about that madness. These are different circumstances. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm putting it out there. I don't think Targaryen madness is a real thing. I think it has to do with, as you said, power and isolation and like mm-hmm. being in charge of many people's lives. And some people go crazy with power. And we see that outside of the Targaryens. I don't, I just think it's so interesting. It's it's just like a, 
a propaganda excuse to cover up things that really happened. They just happen to have a lot of power and also, I guess, magic. So, like, Mm -hmm. that's going to do a number on anyone. Yeah. If she had slain the heart and came back with it, that would have been a very powerful message to the lords of Westeros of who is the heir. The right heir. It's me, bitch. (laughs) But she chooses not to, which, again, is the right call, but also... It's tough because both reassurances of her claim are seeing the heart, letting it go, and then Viserys reassuring her later on. And both of those are private. No one knows that they happened. And Mm -hmm. therefore, it's something that gets lost to, on A, all the lords of Westeros, and B, the later historians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is like a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. When she comes back to the yard. The best moment. The best moment. Of the whole episode. The most characterization any character has had in one episode is Harwin Strong <laughs> and Larry's, really. Yeah. Uh, both of their faces during this moment are so indicative of who they are as characters that mm-hmm. she comes back bloodied up and Harwin is in the middle of ripping out entrails of an animal, not unlike Tywin, right? When he's skinning the oh, deer. Oh, interesting. Kind of reminds me of, yeah. Interesting. Uh, he's ripping up an animal and he's just watching her and that look in his eyes, he's like, wow, I would go crazy. Yeah. I would fuck for you right now in front of everyone. I would just, let's go queen. He's like, I would give you that Lord's kiss. Yeah, he's gonna do I, something. Yeah. Wow. He's... He's going to get that girl pregnant is what he's going to do. Holy shit. Which apparently is what she needs. According to the realm. According to the realm. But also, I mean, I think he knows how to give an orgasm. So, like. (laughs) He knows where to put it. He knows. He knows where to put it. And I don't know. That was a fun scene, as you said. And then Larry's just sort of staring, observing. And then. (laughs) Larry's doesn't have, like, any shits to give. He's like, all right. So she a little crazy. Cool. What else can I figure out from this court today? Yeah. She's just looking around. And Harwin's like, yeah, she crazy. The Mm. look that he gave Mm. her. Oh, those eyes. Oh, man. That's going to be great. I can't wait to watch this courting go down. Oh, my gosh. And I mean, many people have pointed out, like, that's book Dario, right? Yeah, it's totally book Dario. It's fun. And. We also cut to Jason, Jason Lannister as well. And then I, I'm happy for Sir Hugh's actor. I'm happy for him because he does this like really small, like little lip twitch of like disgust. It's very Im- well done. Happy, mm-hmm. proud of you. Go get paid. He's going to, I mean, if this show keeps going on, he's going to have a job the rest of the show. Oh my God. He's going to have he two will. jobs. I hope he's getting oh, paid for true. two jobs. I have no idea. How did Lindsay Lohan get... I don't know. Sir Hugh and the Vale's actor better or be even, getting paid two salaries. Yeah. Or even like, I don't know, thinking about all so you brought up She-Hulk earlier, Tatiana Maslany and Orphan, Orphan Black. Black. Oh my god. Give that girl a million dollars per character. <laughs> For real though. Yeah. We have a scene between Otto and Allison where Otto basically comes to her, she hands off the baby so they can have this chat, and he's like, You need to make your son your heir. And he totally is, like, gaslighting the whole conversation. He ch- he straight up doesn't say anything. He just says, yes, it's so funny now that you have this son, which will now be heir. And she's like, that's not true. There was a big ceremony that we were th- – you were there with me, Dad. We both went to the ceremony after you pretty much made Rhaenyra the heir by saying Dave <laughs> couldn't be. And he's like, no, 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 no. You see, we were all just waiting for a boy to be born. And now we can all go back to the normalcy. You know, what you've done, Allison, what you've birthed is great, and it's going to fix everything that's been wrong with this place. And I'm like, mm. it won't. It won't. It really won't. 
I mean, he's committing major treason against Viserys, like, all the time. Right. All the time. Absolute hypocrite. Like, he loves pointing the finger at other people. His middle finger. As some have liked calling Otto recently. Middle finger. He loves pointing the finger at other people, especially Damon, and being like, that's treason, that's treason, that's treason. I'm like, sir, you are committing treason. (laughs) What you are saying, this is literal treason. And, like, how no one sees through him is absolutely insane. Yeah, how he can't keep getting away with this. You know how he can't keep But he does. Away. And I mean, that actually says a lot That's, about the relationship yeah. between Rhaenyra and Alicent that immediately when she does retake King's Landing, like, Alicent doesn't get the chopping block. She's just like, you can just be in jail forever. She's like, your dad, though? We're killing that bitch. Fuck that guy. I fucking hate him. Yeah, I do hate him. And They got this shit right. <laughs> he does He does get fired, though, right? For, yeah. for suggesting that they give up. I mean... Because it was treason. That is treason. And he has big Axel Florent vibes. Yes. It's who he really has. Like, uh, I've been thinking a lot of people compare him to like Tywin or Littlefinger or other characters, but he's very Axel Florent in just his ambitions. Like, the Axel Florent goes as far. We were just rewatching this in season four of Game of Thrones. We're on a very Mm -hmm. slow rewatch. And it's just when we're bored for an episode, you know. But in the show, they do not adapt what Axel did and why he's being burnt. He's being yeah. burnt because he's a non-believer in the show, which is stupid because Stannis doesn't care about that. Believer. He's like, yeah, whatever. I just care that you don't eat other people and you do my bidding. Um, <laughs> those are my two real rules. But in the books, he's burnt because, you know, he was plotting to marry Shireen off to Tommen. Yeah, that I is mean, treason. And to undo her claim, which is what he's doing in this episode with Aegon yes. and Rhaenyra. That's treason. Yes, yes. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, again, to Allison's credit, you, I think that um, Emily Carey, mm-hmm. Emily Carey does a good job of showing that conflict within Allison, right? When her mm-hmm. father proposes, you know, your son as the king, of course she smiles. Again, what a parents want the best for their children, which is what we see of Viserys, right? That's mm-hmm. what Viserys wants for his daughter. Why would Allison not and I don't know, it's fun because also Viserys doesn't seem that affectionate of Aegon II. Mm-mm. He's most worried about Rhaenyra, which is probably bad. Care about all your kids, but anyway. Um, well, but he's more worried out of guilt, which is the problem, Like, because he knows he fucked up. Yeah. Again, there's as lot, usual. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot weighing mm-hmm. on that entire relationship. And again, to Alison's credit, she points out Rhaenyra would be a good queen. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, you can't say that Aegon II would be a good king. He's literally baby. No one knows anything about him or, like, his views or anything, right? Because he doesn't have any. He doesn't. He doesn't. And Otto being like, the realm will tear itself apart if Rhaenyra steps over Aegon. And I'm like, you mean if Aegon steps over Rhaenyra? And it To her credit, Allison says the same thing. She's like, I won't have his him be- it be said that he stole his sister's birthright, Dad. Yeah. Yeah, and... The uh, seeds are being planted, though, for that to become. The seeds are being planted, and it's it's all a trap, right? Because, mm-hmm. as you said, right, How what other power can she try and grasp in this world if not through her children when Viserys dies? This is as high as she comes until she gets that next step. And so she she's trapped. What mm-hmm. power... She's trying to reclaim power for Rhaenyra, in a way, right? She's asserting mm-hmm. Rhaenyra's claim. Which would be game changing, system changing in many ways. Mm-hmm. And Otto's like, 
no, 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 no. Don't do that. None of you need rights, including you, daughter, Allison. None of the women need rights. And he says that is the way that it was like made by gods and men. That is the the laws of gods and men. And I'm like, interesting, the laws of gods, whatever. I don't think the gods fucking care. And he says, and men. So Allison is being forced into choosing, same as Rainey's, a system that continues to subjugate yeah. women in order for that self-preservation of power. And again, to her credit, like she doesn't actually go do her dad's bidding. Yes. She goes to Viserys after this and they have a conversation and she doesn't do what her dad implied she needs to do. Instead, she gives him good advice on what to do for the stepstones, which is get over yourself and save your brother's ass. <laughs> as well as then discusses Rhaenyra with him and who she'll marry. And she's like, you know, like she actually says to him, you get kind of this recant that she says, I told you that wouldn't go well with Jason. Mm-hmm. You didn't listen to me. So like, you know, she was defending Rhaenyra in some aspects. Yeah. Now she agrees with him and believes he's correct she needs to get married she gets it but again she wants that news to be delivered softer to Rhaenyra and she's like you know that she needs to be kind of treated differently about this she's not like me who was cowed by my father and groomed to be this way like she's very independent you need to treat her so and give her some say and make her believe that she has a say yeah and but also, here's how to manipulate your daughter, honey. Yeah. I mean, she does care. She does care yeah. about her friend. And that's part of what she's trying to... She has a genuine connection or did have a genuine connection with Rhaenyra that mm-hmm. was shattered. And she's got like this weird one with Viserys and it's it's changing. And uh, yeah, like you said, she has to say, I don't know. I know Rhaenyra's type. It's mm-hmm. me, but but we ruined all that by us getting married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. It's true. She's like, the, her type was me. <laughs> we transition out of this scene to our last, I guess, politics scene before we finish with the Stepstones. So we transition to Rhaenyra and Viserys chatting in the small council room. And she's actually sitting in the hand of the king's seat, which I'm sitting here like, she should be. She should have been this whole time. Right. I mean, Balin, her grandfather, Viserys's father, was made hand, right? Replacing Sir Ryan when he died. Because again, timeline's fucked in the books. So when Ryan dies in the books, Balin is made hand. However, he dies a year later. He gets a stitch in his side and he dies of a burst belly after five days. And his father, Jaehaerys, lights his pyre. Very sad, but like his heir, that was his heir and he put him on the council I mean, Balin was still pretty young. There's no place for her gender to rise to, right, on the council if he doesn't put her on the council. Yeah. Cupbearer. You can't go be a squire or knight next. You need your next thing to be a political role. He should have put her there to Mm -hmm. show, A, his faith in her, B, show that he thinks that she provides a strength to the council and that her voice is worth listening to, and C, that if he were to drop dead tomorrow, he had faith in her following him. And, like, needed to put yeah. that on display yeah. for his people, and he does not do that. She should have been sitting in that hand seat for the last two years. Yeah, or even if not the hand, there are Any a bunch seat. of other positions. You can make a fucking position. I'm like, you're rich, make a new chair. Yeah, ma- literally, make make a bigger table. And, like, that that is the metaphor we talk about all the time when it mm-hmm. comes to power. Make a bigger table. Yeah. I will say he does waver finally, like, on all this. He tells her, I want you to find someone you think is a worthwhile match. Yeah. And be careful what you wish for. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, he does. She does find someone who is a worthwhile match in a in a couple of different ways, right? Mm-hmm. And I love that that might hint that she chooses the laner match, or he lets her choose it, yeah. quote unquote, choose because it's already been chosen for her. But I hope that that shows like he's putting it in front of her and not telling her to do it and letting yeah. her see this is the smartest match. And I think it's great because when we get to the next scenes, we see Lenor is a good match, right? Mm-hmm. Except for, again, that one thing. Um, I think that they both know. Yeah. So I think they both choose it. But also, I don't know. I love that this scene, the scene between them ends in many ways similarly, visually, to the end of last episode, but with a mending hopefully amending of their relationship which i don't know they're back and forth all the time it ain't that just the way that families go and i mean the defense that he will bring to her when it comes to the bastards right like yeah that's gonna that will speak volumes yeah that's true absolutely absolutely however i can see how insulting it is to everybody else that she has bastard sons and it feels obvious they're bastards and who cares obviously you and i don't care i mean i'm a bastard you still like me I can see where the insult rises that Allison had trueborn sons, and now not only is Rhaenyra the heir, but her not trueborn sons, whatever that means. Well, I think that's a threat, right? Yeah. The threat is, if the line passes matrilineally, it doesn't matter if they're trueborn or not. You know where the, the baby came out of. But wait, are you saying that it turned out it never mattered? If Wait, if that doesn't matter anymore... Then none of this matters. Oh my god, wait, none of this matters? I mean, I would say that, but I mean, I don't know. I'm just an untalented person who was not born with a penis, so. (laughs) I didn't have that kind of talent, Chloe. Like Aegon II's talents. (laughs) I did not have. Yeah, and I love that he reassures her on the memory of Emma and Mm -hmm. that love, right? Which is, it's beautiful. Means nothing. (laughs) When he's dead, I mean. Nothing means anything yeah, anymore. He's like, I promise no one will supplant you. I'm like, can you promise that louder? Can you, yeah. Can you make everyone else promise that too? Right. Feels now? like you need to say it to other people loudly. <laughs> oh my God. Personal promises don't mean he only understands pomp and performance on one level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He admits to her that he did waver on her air status, which. Well, yeah, everyone fucking knew. Unfortunately, everyone saw you waver. You got caught. Everyone saw you waver. Undo it. Show everyone where you're not wavering and standing firm now. Yeah. Speaking of stepping and standing, the stepstones. Yeah, let's close up today with our action, right? <laughs> we'll hit the end of the action on Damon's suicide bait mission, which proved really fertile. It was a great mission. Um, it was wordless, like we mentioned, like Krahas's entire role, which I thought was very evenly measured. And between the no dialogue for Damon in this scene... And, I mean, Damon beating Sir Adam, the the guy that brings the message from Viserys, beating him senseless. Poor guy. I was like, what Adam is that? (laughs) I know. I was like, that's not our Sir Adam. Not loyal. He was loyal, though. But Unfortunately. Poor guy. Um, And just Damon going on his own and choosing to be the one to kill Drahas and being the bait and being able to put himself out there. I'm just saying he has a good leader. Like as a leader, you should never ask someone to do something you would never do yourself. Right. And Mm. so he did, he went out there on his own and just did it to prove that he would do it. And I mean, Viserys's letter sending help enrages him because he just wants to prove I could have done it on my own this whole time. That's not what this was about. That's interesting that you said as a leader, you shouldn't send people out to do something you're not willing to do. Yep. 
like tie down a heart? I was going to say, like when Rhaenyra sends Rhaenys on her own mm-hmm. to Later. deal with Vagar and Sunfire. Yep, which doesn't go well. That goes badly, poorly, death. Anyway, so but back to this, back to this battle first. Yeah, it it was it was a strong scene. It was a fun way to end the episode. I love the little. <laughs> What did they just tear off the little crab claws when they would get them, and then they made the figurines of the crab beaters' troops yeah. using those on their on their strategy chessboard. <laughs> I loved that. Yeah. I loved um, I loved the the strategizing. You can see the tension with Vaymond beginning. Yeah, with uh, now his brother cousin in the books, which I was telling you earlier. Yes, I was reminded that not only was he a cousin, but he was a cousin from an elder sibling. So technically, he has a better claim than Corlys, and that's actually what he brings later to court when he's like, well, I should be the fucking Lord of Driftmark. Like, and he also is like, you and your, you know, daughter with her bastards out here. I don't want this passing out of my line either. So I do think the cousins were a little stronger of a connection because of that succession. But I'm interested to see. It's easy to wipe that away and just be like, well, I don't want this line to fall to bastards. So you should give me the next brother it. Yeah. Less effective, but it works. Yeah. I mean, they've done a couple of simplifying things, right? Like, for example, making it between Viserys and Rhaenys, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to Viserys and Lena at the start with the Great Council. But yeah, I mean, I like that they brought in Vaymond. We had, I, I thought there were some fun scenes between him, his nephew, and his brother. Mm-hmm. Lena was the MVP. Um, yeah. I don't know if I believe that three year age up did all this for him, but. Well, yeah, I agree. I mean, I guess he's been, okay. he's been working. If he, how long has he been out here on the battlefield? Because he's been working out every day, apparently. Yeah, he's getting buff. He um, he had a good one liner, like when he called Vaymond the master of complaints. Yes. Oh, got him. Proud got of him. him. And him on Sea Smoke. Sea Smoke looked amazing, just so fantastical. And his woos, he woohoos at one point. <laughs> yeah, he's like Dracarys, woohoo. Yeah, I mean, he. We see a lot of proof in this episode that if we're talking about good matches on paper, Laner is one, right? He's he's the one who conceives of this plan, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't Damon. Damon's getting blamed a lot for it, and I think I think it was a good plan. I think it was a good plan. Laner, great job. Yeah, he masterfully did that plan, and he said, "This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna use bait, bleed him out." Yeah. Be gay, do war crimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone's like, oh, it's bad. It's a war crime. And I'm like, what happened to be gay, do crimes? All right. Yeah. Uh, I thought Laner had a good plan. And it's interesting to see. This is what we mean when we talk about give your heir meaningful work. Mm-hmm. Laner is the one who comes, who is A, fighting next to his father. B, at this council as a leader. C, doing strategies. And D, being given the ability not the ability given the weight that they will carry out this strategy they mm-hmm. honor this strategy from laner which again works yeah which is funny because the plan that laner is using and using the dragon for i mean it's not unlike what rhaenyra suggested and was shut down in the small council mm-hmm. they shut her down when she said yeah. you have dragon riders father we could just and he cuts her off and they all say no it's pretty much what saves the day yeah yeah, and I mean, we also see that Laner is willing to do it as well, right? Being on Dragonback and doing this against all of the archers, which, as we're shown at the beginning of the episode, it is a dangerous position to be in. Mm-hmm. 
And he does it fantastically. Yeah. And and leads everyone in this is fantastic for morale, except for except for Damon's morale. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly. I think Damon is um gonna be a lot happier that it seems grayscale is not a bloodborne disease. Yes. There's that also <laughs> I was complaining about this. I was like, what is he do- what is with the Targaryen men just holding dirty shit? Like literal shit and also grayscale, but turns out it looks like he's Gripping him maybe by the sleeve. Yeah, thankfully. And only the outside of the sleeve where it did not touch. But, I mean, it's Targaryen exceptionalism. Yeah. You know, they don't get sick, Eliana. I'm just kidding. Just Majel that one time. Who died. Oh my god, oh my god. And Viserys. And Viserys. Listen, but otherwise, Targaryen exceptionalism. Aren't they exceptional, folks? Oh my folks? gosh. And, and that time that Daenerys does get diarrhea. So there is there is illness. And that Daenerys dies of the uh, the winter fever, the other Daenerys. Yeah, and the Great Spring Sickness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But besides all <laughs> those times, besides all of that, Targaryen exceptionalism, Eliana. They just Absolutely. don't get sick. Absolutely. Um, and they're also fireproof. I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh. But what about that other element? What about water, Chloe? I loved the decision to omit seeing him killed Drahar or Kragas. Krahas Drahar. Dr- yeah. I loved seeing him off-screen killed because it made when Damon wordlessly comes back and drags him through the water, uh, there was that moment. Blood went in the water. Mm. And I think that it's obvious in this episode especially, blood is being spilled in the water already. Like, the war is yes. becoming a th- possibility, a civil war becoming a possibility, bigger and bigger. That's He's a great point. spilling blood in the water, which is kind of what he'll do when he marries his niece later but i mean absolutely the seeds of it are being planted they're being planted in front of that fire with a uh, viserys spilling everything to allison right that's why mm-hmm. he throws his wine later right because he just spilled it all no i'm joking but that is also what happened there's too much wine wasting in this episode for my tastes <laughs> and in front of the fire i don't know it feels very mm-hmm. Dennis and melisandre but yeah. But also role reverse. I was like, the series is most... Anyways. In front of the flames that will engulf the entire country one day. <laughs> but for now, as you said, fantastic performance by Damon. Also fantastic performance by Daniel Scott Smith. No relation. <laughs> I swear to fucking God. <laughs> the, no, there, there is no relation. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I like at the end, right? Damon comes out. He looks tired. And yet somehow this did not bring him happiness. He looks a lot like... I won... Now fucking what? Now what? Yeah. I'm interested to see if he stays there for the next year dealing with Recalio off camera and if the next time jump is like a year time jump oh, or yeah. something. Good question. Um, we had a lot, the the weeks ahead, or the week ahead trailer. I don't know why I keep calling it weeks ahead. The trailer for next week. <laughs> the trailer for next week <gasps> has a, a couple of moments that if you watch it slowed down, it looks like they go to Storm's End for... Uh, possibly consulting about maybe marrying Boros. You and I were speculating yeah. offline about. You yeah. see Boromin's there, and she's sitting with Boromin and Kristen Cole being entertained at Storm's End. So I imagine it's going to be like a tour to get her married, basically. Yeah, this is her c- shitty cotillion. Yeah, it sucks. It's uh, it not missed on me that it reminds me of the Martells going through the kingdom. Yeah. In the main story with Elia and Oberyn having gone through. Oh, yeah, very true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's glad that I'm glad that she's going around and gets to do this and that she did call out her dad on like, yo, if it was about tradition and duty, you would have married Lena. Mm-hmm. And so now Boros, we were speculating, like, maybe this is why he's such an asshole uh, when the dance is starting, because he feels 
he took that real personally when Rhaenyra turned him down, which, I mean, she doesn't, she's not always the nicest with it, so maybe she really did insult him, but he probably deserved it. I mean, look at Jason, right? Lannister. Like, he deserved it. <laughs> yeah, he deserved it. But Boros is obviously a prick when we meet him in the books. Uh, and yeah, I think I this is, again, it. it's planting Jason's rejection, his rejection, all these people that become big players for the Greens and give yeah. them support in the war. Like, you see why. Yeah. It sucks. I don't agree with the why, but you do see why. Yeah. No, I, same, same. Mm-hmm. The why is shitty. And I mean... It plays into how people have discussed. We'll see how it goes with these rejections. Mm-hmm. When men are rejected, their fear is embarrassment. When But women are afraid when they reject men that they'll be assaulted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the reactions are very different. I mean, even in this fantasy world, it's not unlike that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because you got rejected once, like, a decade or two ago. You're like... Putting an army against someone. Yeah. They're like, let's go to war. But, I mean, I guess I understand if it's about how they think the whole power... Mm-hmm. What they'll Structure be able to will get, collapse, If too. they'll be able to schmooze in the way that they have with Viserys. And... I mean, they're also just fighting against that traditional change. Like, yeah. the idea of succession changing, that would ruin their lives everywhere. Is kind of how they see it. And that becomes such a central yep. theme. And that, yeah, and that'll come up with, again, as we discussed last week, House Rosby. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love, uh, you pointed this out last night to me when we finished the episode, that the credits song, the song in the credits has kind of the Lannister leitmotifs in it, like uh, some of the little hints oh, of the Lannister funny. themes. Yeah. And I love, I saw some thread on Reddit a few weeks ago where people were like, there's, but how? There can't be a House Lannister theme because the Red Wedding doesn't have, or not the Red Wedding, the reigns of Castamere yeah. don't happen canonically. And I'm like, yes, but that song had to be born from somewhere. Yeah. Amazing. Or also, like. <sighs> Time is a circle. Also, I mean, they weren't playing it in universe, mm-hmm. you know? Like, the people do not hear the theme song we playing behind it. them as they come up. It's for us, the audience, to make these connections of who is on screen and what it all means. Yeah, that's true. It's that's for us. <laughs> it is for us. Like, I mean, the music is supposed to add emotionally to the entire tone of the show. Yeah. That's the goal. It's to make you, I mean, it is immersive. It's to feel immersive. Like you're in a different world yeah. with swooping sounds that take you to different places. Mm-hmm. What we need is more of Rhaenyra's theme, which is an absolute banger. They played it when she walked into the um, hunt with the boar. Yeah. Little, and they that was good. Do it every time she returns from, I guess, disobeying. Because that's when she's getting to assert her agency uh-huh. in a way. In so, a way. I don't know. It's, it's a great song. We need it more. And I look forward to next week. Like I, I, yeah. Kim kind of mentioned last week to us that she couldn't quite 100% recall <laughs> what was in this episode. But that episode four, she said it keeps getting better from there. So I'm looking forward to next week and to yeah. some of the drama. It looks like we have oh a gosh. shot of Rhaenyra in possibly beggars, boys clothes going to a brothel with Damon. Question mark? Yeah, is it a brothel? Is it not? Because she's also like, this is a serious accusation, mm-hmm. you know, and she's she's fighting against something, some sort of gossip and rumors. And Otto, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry to deliver this. I'm like, shut the fuck up, Otto. Keep it to yourself. I think we're gonna get some of that Kristen Cole drama, some Harwin Strong introduction. Yeah, uh, it's the and Bachelorette. Some Damon. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Episode. They all get the rose in different ways. Oh. Well, thank you so much for listening today. We will be back next week. Keep an eye out in your feed. 
and we can't wait to come on back. Goodbye. Thank you. And thank you. And if you want to know some of our thoughts and see whenever all of our different episodes come out, be sure to follow us on social media. You can find us at twitter.com slash girlsgonecanon. That's C-A-N-O-N. Or maybe you have thoughts. People, oh, oh, we got an email about a new catchphrase. Yes, we did. Oh my gosh. Hold on. Oh my I gosh. just remembered our friend Lainey emailed us last night with a new catchphrase to possibly be using. Yes. Uh, so. They said that uh, a companion to get a job, Littlefinger, should be, does she have a job, Viserys? Because Lainey said, you're not giving her responsibilities that would indicate she has a job, Viserys. Great, great catchphrase. I really love yes. that. And you can send your catchphrases into us, too, at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. Yes. I'm so sorry. I, hopefully everyone hears this at the end of the episode because this was a fantastic suggestion. Thank yeah. you, Lainey. Thank you, Lainey. And make sure you're subscribed to us on a platform where you listen to your podcast, whether that's Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, you name it. We're on all of them. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, you can definitely always find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, where we have bonus episodes for patrons in the Stranger tier and above, $5 and above tier. This month is still pending, but last month we did kick off our Mothers of the Dragon series. Yes, we get to talk at length about one of our favorites, Reyna. So mm-hmm. tune in for some good theorizing, too, because I'm sure some of that theorizing will come to this forefront of this show soon. Soon mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. And we also host weekly events for House of the Dragon discussions. Our friend Maddie is hosting the actual discussion. She's doing such a great job. Fridays at 2 p.m. ET. You can join in at the Discord if you are in the Thunder tier, $10 tier and above. Uh, that's patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon again. And we are having our brunch this month. I want to say September 18th, Sunday the 18th, we said, 2 to 4. So yes. patrons, keep your eyes peeled for that information in your inbox. As always... I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. Till next week. I can't believe uh, I can't believe we have to wait a week. Every single week, I'm just furious that I have to wait. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.